Welcome to the Faith Seeking Freedom Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. Your questions about faith and liberty deserve thoughtful answers, and we're dedicated to giving you solid responses so you can live free and flourish. From Daniel on our Facebook page as well. My hypothesis is that most Christians espouse non-libertarian political philosophies because they believe taxation is a non-violent function of statecraft. If this linchpin fell, their philosophies would become libertarian. So what are the factors that inhibit Christians from recognizing the coercive nature of taxation, and is this important to address? What are the factors that inhibit Christians from recognizing this? Uh, I think the devil is blinding their eyes. Uh, (laughs) That's my funny answer. What do you think, Norm? Daniel, I'd say you have a very good point uh, to make here, namely that if you can dispense with the notion that taxation is nonviolent, then all sorts of things that the government do, which have to be supported by the act of taxation, start becoming more suspect. Even those things that might be somewhat considered, quote, quote, good, because they are supported by evil means, we are required as Christians to say, well, shall we do evil that good may result? By no means. So there's, there is a strong sense in which if you could make that argument successfully, that you begin to whittle down against the entirety of the state apparatus, which is why, to a grand extent, not for just for this reason, but because it is true, we emphasize that taxation is theft. And so, yeah, you, you know, how to do that is a, is a whole other story. I would say that you know we've we've argued in a lot of different ways on the website and in our podcast here that this is indeed the case. Taxation is theft. You know you'll find all sorts of things on the website for that. But let's give a, I guess a few bullet points here on how to on how to go with that. One, you should remind your interlocutor, the person you're arguing with, that morality does not change for someone if they don a uniform or have some sort of privileged position. That is to say, all humans are morally equal, or rather are equally responsible for the moral law. And so that is to say, one cannot be made exempt just because they don any uniform or they have a position that's powerful. They are not exempt from the commandment that says, thou shalt not steal. Uh, And if that's the case, suddenly, you know, you begin to, again, whittle down that philosophy. So I would say that, you know, that's probably a great place to start and see how well someone responds to that. If that goes well, then you might also talk about, you know, 1 Samuel and when Israel asked for a king you know, kind of responding to this is what what Samuel says, this is what's going to happen if you rejected the rule of God and it's all these bad things, right? (laughs) And and amongst those are taxation. And that was God's reluctant, okay, if you really want this, this isn't best for you, but if you really want it, all right. This wasn't the original plan. Yeah, exactly. God literally says to Samuel right there is that, remember that when they're asking you to give them a king, they are not rejecting you, Samuel, they are rejecting me. So it's pretty categorically clear right there that that is not what, something that God just outright wanted to do. He intended to be the absolute king over Israel in that regard. And you know, and even though the monarchical theology that sort of developed in the Old Testament as a you know kind of post you know king being established there, you know God is still acknowledged as the great high king, uh, and you'll see this in the Psalms and whatnot. But it's it's still a bit of an aberration from what was intended. You know, one one of the things that's behind this question is what are the inhibiting factors for people kind of accepting this or understanding this? And I mean, to be honest, 
I think when you tell somebody taxation is theft and they haven't even considered this in a way, they may even sort of be against taxation generally and be kind of like, yeah, we're overtaxed or be, you know, be, be against the kind of taxation that we kind of have in our country today. But when you say that taxation is theft, it's a moral category that has not been considered. And that opens up a whole can of worms. And people don't like whole cans of worms unless they're ready to engage questionable things or ready to have their assumptions questioned. So when you come against people's assumptions about just normal society, they're going to be like, what? And I can understand that. I mean, I'm not really sure if I ever heard about taxation as theft before I was interested in libertarianism, but I think I would have that sort of like, oh, come on, that's an extreme view. And it's unfortunate <laughs> that it's an extreme view. It's an unfortunate that it's, it's relegated as an extreme view because it is actually a consistent moral position. Now, one of the things that Friedrich Bastiat talks about in the law is that people can come together and create, you could call it a pact, he was kind of talking about the formation of a government and say, well, we together can protect each other and structure society in such a way that we will contribute to our own well-being, okay? So you can, in a sense, justify, okay, but we need to fund that. We got to pay the police to do the police things. We got to pay the fire department to do the fire department things. Leave aside for the moment that there are alternatives that are that do not require the state. But just imagine, you know, 500 people getting together. I mean, we're dealing with 200 years ago. They're forming small communities in the not-so-wild West or Midwest or whatever. And so they're forming communities and they need to come up with a way to protect themselves against things. You know, we're 200 years later and it's become a behemoth. It's really, really out of control, which is another reason why taxation just enables the kind of statism that you see God against in the scripture very adamantly. But it's not so far-fetched to be like, well, we kind of, you know, our, you know, a couple generations ago, they decided that we wanted to get together and they formed these things, police and, you know, laws and civil governance and all of this other stuff, that they formed that. And that didn't seem so far-fetched because they were just trying to protect each other and look after one another. And of course, that was, you know, millions and millions of hundreds of millions of people ago because societies weren't that big. It doesn't seem like such a stretch to be like, well, that's just where we are. And so when you challenge people by saying, well, taxation is theft, well, they may not like taxation or their level of taxation, but to call it theft just is abrupt. And I'm not saying that, it, obviously I agree with, with the statement, but that is probably one of the factors in recognizing that they don't see it as coercive because it's been around for so long. And with that, with, with few exceptions and pockets of you know revolt and, and uh, revolution, People just kind of accept it. Taxation is a thing. And now the fight isn't really about taxation's existence, especially the income tax existence since for, for almost 100 or over 100 years now. Nobody's fighting against that. We're fighting against how do we spend the money? Where does that get allocated? And that is where Bastiat talks about, you know, there, there's three positions. The few plunder the many. Everybody plunders everybody or nobody plunders anybody, which is but I would say the libertarian view. So we're leading to the point where everybody plunders everybody. We're all about how much can we take from the government because, oh, taxation is just assumed. And it really is not good for society because now we're not talking about how to give and support one another and find ways to come together, which, you know, in good faith, I'll just recognize that, okay, people formed small governments back then because that's what they wanted to do. They just wanted to protect one another, protect life, liberty, and property. Now it's all about how do we take, how do we get more from the government or how do we get more from the government? Maybe not for me, it's for the poor. 
but it changes the attitude. Now we're all about what can we take from others. So now we're at everybody plunders everybody. And that's that's an unhealthy way to look at it. So I hope that that's a long way of answering. That's probably why people are kind of against it because they don't really think through, well, how did this all begin? You know, I was at a point in my libertarian journey that, or, or my political faith journey that I wasn't willing to be like, okay, I'm not quite sure I agree with everything I was taught about how government was formed and, you know, the formation of a quote unquote Christian nation, which is what I was taught growing up. Let me just kind of investigate this myself. This is where it's led me. I'm part of the Libertarian Christian Institute now, and we promote free society, not a society that's dictated through government. So anyway, that that sort of a long, long way around the question. It might take a psychologist to really kind of dig in and say, well, here's what's inhibiting this person in particular from accepting this. I, I think part of the solution to this is asking questions, and maybe a Socratic method might be in order where you ask questions of the person to kind of get to the bottom of like, well, why do you believe that? What justifies this? Like, that doesn't make sense. Pointing out inconsistencies and kind of walking it back a little bit. Well, if we're going to go psychological for a second here, I think there's probably one piece that we haven't mentioned yet. And that's that there is an sort of a, a deep held notion by a lot of people that the government is there keeping me safe. And there, so you might say that the only way that that can happen is if Everybody else has to pay for it. <laughs> right. So that may be a sort of a deep-seated psychological issue as well. But, you know, to, yeah. to, to defray that, you could probably say something to, to the effect, are, are you not responsible for your own personal life? Like that's personal responsibility is a hallmark of a free society. Yeah, Go no, ahead. I would even I would even actually push that a little bit further and make a, a little bit more positive claim that we are in some way obligated to our neighbor. And I don't mean obligated legally in the form of taxation, but obligated in a moral sense to look out for other people around us. Um, that is a Christian claim. I would not say that, you know, that's why. Yeah, that's a not a libertarian claim. No, that's, that's part of the Christian claim. And I would actually make that strongly. But here's the thing. If I make that claim, we're back to the question of does legality follow from, you know, kind of an is ought. I think that is true. We are obligated. I think all humans should be in some sense obligated to look out for one another. The question you then could be asked, like, if I feel that obligation, do I have the right to force someone else to supply the means to make it happen? And not only that, let's say you're successful in accomplishing that. You've somehow, maybe you get elected and in your district or maybe your mayor or whatever, you, you enact some law that says that, you know, you can be I mean, this is like the last episode of Seinfeld. There was a law in a city where they just stood by and watched somebody get mugged and then they got thrown into prison. Let's say you do that. And so uh, you're now morally obligated. You force other people to be morally obligated to help those who are in need. Okay, have you really done anything to help those in need? Well, maybe on the surface, maybe from, you know, from time to time. But is it really creating a better society where people are feeling obligated? Because it's one thing to obligate other people. It's another thing for them to in their heart, be changed to do this on their own. Yeah, well, to always have the threat of force on top of it just doesn't seem to be... It's a counterintuitive notion oh, when, goodness, you, when you start yeah. thinking about it. It starts bringing in cognitive dissonance. You know, am I going to be made into a needy person by getting thrown into prison for not, not fulfilling the obligation to help somebody else or something to that effect? It's like, it's confusing just to say it, let alone try and enforce it. Right. But one, yeah, and we'll just... Uh, let me finish this with maybe an analogy relating to parenting. So one of the things that I'm learning as a parent of younger kids is that there are times where I just want them to obey. 
and they are just, you know, they're delayed because they're slow that day or they're just, they're in a bad mood or they're sleepy or hungry or something like that. And I just want them to obey. Always hungry. It's always hungry, right? So I just want them to obey. But here's the problem. If they simply obey, okay, there's that immediate outcome. But do I really just want them to be obedient? As a real parent, really wanting the best for my children, and as a real human, really wanting the best for society, do you really want people who are just obeying laws? Or do you want people whose character is formed? I do not think that laws will, in the long run, change the character of a nation or of a people group. And I think that through a free society where people are actively looking out for one another without needing to, it's a far better society. I mean, really, ask progressive friend, maybe you stumbled across this podcast. Do you really want people just obeying the law and being good Samaritans, or do you really want them to be good Samaritans? This podcast was inspired by our popular book, Faith Seeking Freedom, which is available on Kindle, softcover, and audiobook at faithseekingfreedom.com. Want your questions answered on our podcast? Email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so we can reach more Christians with the message of liberty.